when we put the right foundation in and we, re we renew our mind every day, uh, the world doesn't change just because we renewed our mind. But our response to the world, at least we can get that frustration and those things uh, shorter than if we don't have that margin there. Welcome to The Ziegler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and I'm here to inspire your true performance. From the framework established by Zig Ziegler, one of the top motivators and personal development leaders our world has ever known, who believed we could all be more, do more, and have more. How? Improve ourselves, beginning with how we think about ourselves. So today, let's break down some personal development. What is the primary enemy of your ongoing peace? This is the question I posed to our listeners. I'm referring back to my interview with Rick Hansen in show 647, where we talked about being resilient and I wanted to hear from you. So I asked this question on Facebook. What is the primary enemy of your ongoing peace? And I, this keeps happening. It was an, again, another record number of incredibly candid responses. Most people seem fairly aware of what the consistent culprits are that can easily derail them if they're not diligent and aware, which is excellent because getting those things out on the table is half the battle. Well, Tom Ziegler joined me to talk through them. It was really convicting for all of us. So I'll start right after I share some great resources with you. Okay, friends, here Tom Ziegler and I read through your comments to what is the primary enemy of your ongoing peace. All right, Tom, well, some of these pick, uh, you know, questions that I post, I feel like, all right, I should be brave enough to uh, admit what my own answer is on these. And so to that question of what's the primary enemy of your ongoing peace, when I think about just the day-to-day, -day, uh, it is feeling overwhelmed feeling it's all on me uh, and not feeling in control in, in a different variety of ways. I don't have to control other people, but I want to control, you know, my environment, myself and, uh, you know, things I care about in that nature. And those are the things that creep up on me and I'm getting better at recognizing them. Doesn't mean I can get right over them, but, uh, it had a lot of people say, gosh, yeah, me too on that amongst the uh, incredible number of comments that we got on this, but, uh, so I thought I'd pose that to you, man, when the, the day's going on and I know you are renewing your mind every morning, you're joyful about life, you're optimistic, but what are the things that can creep in on you and, <laughs> and, uh, threaten to wreck your peace? <laughs> well, Kevin, I tell you what, there's, there's a couple of things. And today I got up, I, uh, gosh, I did my two chairs. I actually read, uh, a book by Tim Irwin. I'll think of the title in a little bit. Fantastic uh, on, gosh, on creating the right culture and just got into it, uh, read some scripture and then did the thing that you're not supposed to do. Check my email, although I did it in the right order. Right. And boy, some things blew up. So things that, the things that destroy my peace. Uh, one of them is, unanticipated things with a deadline. Mm. Oh my gosh. Probably my overall biggest one though, is my personality. I am a, in the disc profile, I'm an S. Yep. I do not like relationship conflict. Oh, well, me so, and, and most people don't. Right. But it just affects other people. You know, some people are like, well, that's their problem. That's not my problem. Then go on. My assumption is what did I do to cause this problem? And, 
<laughs> Usually I didn't. I just, I like harmony. I like everybody being there. But that's a big one for me. If there are people around me, friends, family, business partners, customers who are having an issue, I like to get that resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the third one is overwhelm. I, I got a, you know, my same personality. I joke, you know, I have, I can make three decisions a day. And so if you don't catch me before 6am, you're not getting the decision. I'm joking about that. But when I have a lot of decisions that need to be made, gosh, that overwhelms me. So yeah. uh, unexpected uh, relationship conflict and making too many, having to make too many decisions in a row. Well, I, I hear you, man. We don't have the same personality profile, but as a people pleaser, that one, yeah, I spend so much time or I, I tend to getting better. I'm being, trying to be responsible for other people's feelings, which is insanity. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, okay. Well, there you go, folks. There's your, uh, testimony admission from Tom and Kevin. So here I'm going to jump in. Susan Overstreet, she says, uh, agrees with what I said. Uh, she says, plus distractions and prioritizing. I could do it better when I was younger because I would stay up late or do all nighters to do the things that need to be done. Uh, but I can't now I need my sleep. Uh, but at least I no longer let those anxieties bother my sleep as a rule. Now I have to keep the overwhelmingness from making me stop altogether. Uh, only solution I know is prayer, positive music, and focus on the next right thing to do. Boy, I think she spoke for a lot of people. We do, we talk a lot about, yeah, prioritizing. That's a word that is so difficult for us. I, I almost wonder, Tom, if it's more difficult because of not to just harp on social media, but, you know, we always talk about America. We're a microwave culture. And I think we have just accelerated that. Everything we do is to, to make things quicker. You don't have to wait on anything anymore. And we, I wonder if it tends back to Stephen Covey's, you know, remember his graph on the urgent and the important, That, that, that is such a struggle for me. And it's interesting too. Yeah. Just like you talked about a minute ago, email, man, I want to go and deal with emails because it's, you know, it's new context. It might be a new sale. It might be a new opportunity, whatever to do that. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's okay, but it's not the most important thing as going and working on my creative work, my building work. I, yeah, I wonder if we're, we're veering more into just that responsiveness culture and that urgentness. Boy, I, you know, I think we are, um, for me, and I'm just reflecting on this morning, you know, I love what she said. And and I would just add one more thing is we've got to intentionally put the right things into our mind because what happened was I I did all the right stuff and then I start, you know, getting my day and I had to go to the recording studio today to record four hours for the book choose to win. So in the, in the car on the way there, I had prepared my day and then this things blew up and I started handling it. I'm driving on the way there. And then this thing hit me and it was like, man, I, sh- I sure am glad I built that cushion so uh, that I could fall back on. And I just had this moment of gratitude mm. because really I'm about to go do something that I need to be in the right attitude. I need to have the right frame of mind. And the reality is, golly, you know, something happened unexpected with the business but it's just a to do. If I'd known about it three weeks ago, I'd have still had to do it. It's just the timeline timelines compressed. And guess what? It's still going to get done. Yeah. So when we put the right foundation in and we re- renew our mind every day, uh, the world doesn't change just because we renewed our mind, but 
our response to the world, at least we can get that frustration and those things uh, shorter than if we don't have that margin there. Absolutely. Margin is, uh, it's one of my words for the new year here, Tom is margin. It's a, it's a difficult one for me. It's a difficult one to work out of. Uh, Brian Lynchard here. He says noise and sound, especially chaotic noise, especially multiple sources at the same time. My kids fighting the TV too loud, barking dogs, the neighbor's leaf blower. Most people don't understand. I'm allergic to noise. Seriously. Most people just don't, don't realize that. Uh, that's an interesting one. That's a very tangible one, Brian. I appreciate you sharing that. I too struggle with that. I have a house. Tom's been there. I have a house out in the woods. That's one of the reasons I struggle with noise. And I, I wonder if we are getting into a personality style, personality characteristic of being easily uh, distracted, which I am. And so sound can do that. Uh, not only just annoy me, but just be a flat distraction. Whereas somebody else, doesn't i i think it's an important thing if that's you i mean again that's why it's one of the reasons i I live in the way i do Uh, i have an office that i've changed three times offices in my in my office complex here to find the one that suits me best and uh, now i've gone back to working a day uh, of the week at home again when everybody's gone so i can just have that quiet and solitude so i think it's a very personality driven issue yeah i'm 100 percent on that and i don't i don't know uh, personally, uh, but for me, there are certain times of the day when I crave silence more than others. Mm. For me, it's first thing in the morning yes. and right when I get home from work, uh, where I'm just chilling, right? I, I love to come into the house, greet my bride, sit on the couch, no TV, no background noise, just being there. Uh, and so I do, I crave it certain times of the day. That's interesting. I definitely do in the morning, man. I am pretty, it's impossible for me to do my devotions well and really plug in when there's noise, which is why I get up early enough before anybody else is. Uh, Gary bombs are here. He says, dealing with disappointments and expecting more from people who I thought were upstanders, but discover they were actually bystanders. Uh, that's interesting. Just disappointment and expectation. I had a buddy and I, not that this is a, a unique phrase, but say that expectations, uh, are premeditated, uh, disappointments in, in a sense, premeditated. It was actually another word like disdain. It was a harder word than that. Um, that is, I mean, having, you know, we can talk about having grace for people, but that's, that's an area I see a lot of people deal feel like they are consistently dealing with being disappointed in others. And as we well know, we can't control anyone else. All we can control is us. So figuring out how can we deal with those disappointments gracefully or Tom, I don't know, or set ourselves up to not be disappointed by people to lower expectations, which sounds almost pessimistic. Uh, There's a fine line there, I guess, huh? Todd, you know, I was going to ask you the question, how do you, how do you create the right level of expectation with those around you? I know that uh, it's funny. I Have you ever been to a restaurant where everybody just raves about it? And then you go in and you're like, oh, that was okay. But I don't know what everybody was saying. Sure. sure. Uh, and so your expectations are so high, it's hard not to get disappointed. Yeah. And then there's the other Hey, if I don't expect anybody, anything from anybody, sometimes people will just do what you expect. 
And so you get a lower effort or performance out of that person that you don't have any expectations in. So that, that right level of expectation is good. I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to find and it's important to find. Yeah. I, you know, I think because gosh, I feel like I'm getting old. Um, if you've had a few years under your belt, you know, all of us, when we're young, I think we have high expectations and then mm-hmm. we get, we get quote unquote burned. Uh, and so I think a lot of us have that guard. And so I like to have, I like to set realistic expectations and then look forward to being su- positively surprised. Yeah. And I think that's how I kind of go through life. That's not a peace disruptor for me uh, very often, but but I can see how that is. Uh, absolutely. Well, you know, and in that expectations, this is, inter- you know, Steve Rosen, who we know well, says trusting fear instead of love. You know, when I think about that, to trust love, to trust the positive, that is uh, an expectation setting aspect. Well, what do you expect? And you get what you expect, that aspect of it. But trusting fear, fear is such a buzzword right now in the personal development world, counseling world, consulting world. Um, I don't know what that says about the culture, if we're just bringing it to the surface or if it's increasing, but trusting fear. So many people resonate with, yeah, I have fear of this, fear of that, worry of this, which brings me back to your dad. I'll never forget the day I spent with you guys and him so often saying, you know, I don't worry. I don't worry. Man, that was hard for me to understand um, and embrace. And not that it's easy today, but I I feel like I've grown a little bit there, but that's that's, that's a, for most people, as you know, Tom, that's a Pollyanna type statement. Really? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that, that I put in the book, uh, choose to win is your mind share is there's only three places your mind can be. It can be in the past. It can be in the present or it can be in the future. That's the only places your mind can be. So are you present focused on what you're doing now? Are you thinking about the future, either a hope or a fear, or are you thinking about the past? Either the past was a building block that helped me be who I am today, or the past is holding me back like a weight, you know, because that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I could never do something. And so when you think of uh, fear or love, which is what Steve's talking about, what we're doing is we're really our, our, our mind share is usually in the future. Fear is usually in the future. It's about something that may happen. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. just like faith. Right. Faith is the belief that something good's going to happen. Fear is the belief that something bad's going to happen. And so what we do and, and what I teach is that if you fear something, what you do is you, 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 you like in your mind, you like reach out and you grab it and you bring it to the present. And you say, OK, rather than fear this, uh, what is the problem that I need to solve? And you put an action plan to solve it. And if, and if you can't solve it, if it's not in your power, right. then you give it over to God. But the point is, if it's in the future, we can't do anything about it. All we can do is create habits today mm. or thought process today that we can get peace around. Well, I get a great deal of like, you know, what, what disrupts your peace is a change of plans. You know, that's me, right? I don't like un- what gives me peace is... Uh, understanding and a plan of action and a timeline of, Hey, this is how I'm going to address it. And so this is a way where if fear is your disruptor, bring it into the present, identify it as a problem, then focus on the solution. So 
you know, never be problem focused, be solution focused. Dad said this, identifying a problem is positive, but fixating on the problem is negative. So we identify the problem, we bring it into the present, and then we focus on the solution to it. And some of our problems, you know, health, our health, uh, what's going to happen to our kids, you know, what's going to happen with the business six months from now. Man, all we can do is what we can do. The rest of it, we've got to give over. Man, I like that line, Tom, of identify the problem, but not fixate on it. That's, that is, that's powerful. It reminds me of the, the aspect of, you know, it's not a sin to feel anger, but to walk forward in anger is when we get in trouble. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, there's three guys that I love, Will Castillo and, uh, Lito Santos and, and Sergeant G Gordon, uh, uh, they, we, we did this Ragnar race. These are wounded warriors. They're amputees. And we did this 200 mile relay race. So don't get excited. I didn't run 200 miles. It was a relay. And, and the fact was, here's the fact, the, the fact that they had to identify is that for them to walk in a race, it's going to hurt and they're missing a leg and there's nothing they can do about it except for come prepared. How do you come prepared? The right attitude, <laughs> the right medication, the right bandages, right? The, the right mindset. And so the fact is you accept. But the problem is they need it's going to hurt. And so instead of worrying about all the hurt that could happen, they just come prepared to deal with it as they go. And that freed us up on these, on these uh, races to just have unbelievable fellowship, right? Not because there was the absence of pain or the absence of hurting, but because we were in the mindset of, hey, you know what? For 36 hours, we're not getting any sleep. This is going to hurt, but we're doing it for a cause bigger than us, yeah. right? And so we accept facts and then we address problems, but we don't fixate on the fear of what could happen because, who knows what could happen? We had a great time. Were we sore when we done? Yeah, we were sore. But boy, was it a great time. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, you also mentioned just just real quick on fear, what's in, what is and without, what's not in your power. And that's been significant for me, Tom. I can't say that I am without worry or without fear ever, but I have lessened it a lot by just being able to really focus on what I can control and what I can't. And now with those glasses on, I seeing people and how much time and effort and energy of themselves, they expend on fears that they cannot control at all. And it's, it's, it's so real, you know, so obvious folly to me now, but, um, but I've, I've, I have been there for a long time. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, hey, Karen Little here. I, I want to. I could have started the show with this, because she just said, you know, what's again, what what disturbs her peace? What uh, is, is there to be the enemy of her peace? She said, me, the biggest enemy can live between my ears. Uh, so, for disclosure, a lot of people responded that way, and I asked, I asked a lot of them. I said, okay, yeah, but tell me what the specifics are. And so, I am trying to read the more specific ones. But yeah, I think when we say that, what disturbs our peace. I mean, it's got to be 95% of the time 
me. It's us. We do. I mean, we're back to the point into you know, the foundation of Ziegler and self-talk and the, the things that are going on in our own heads, whether it's being frustrated by a noise or having fear or, or whatnot. So yeah, if that was your first thought, I think that's most people, but now we're trying to just get to the specifics. Okay. How does that manifest? Cause it is for different people. And that's what we've been talking about here. Case in point, Jennifer Meisel here, she says, uh, what, what does the enemy of her piece working on commission has me constantly worried about money. God has always provided for me. So I'm not sure why I'm always worried about it, but it keeps me up at night. I so appreciate that testimony to of her saying, God's always provided for me. I'm not sure why I'm worried about it. Again, how often is that where we look at that? Uh, I can do that with money and business and new endeavors and things. And you have to look back over my time and go, when have I ever been bereft? When did I ever end up homeless the next morning, Tom? Uh, it's never happened. When did my kids go without clothes? It hasn't happened. Uh, and yet, why do I, why do we come back? Uh, it's the story. There's the age old story in the old Testament and in, in Genesis, Exodus, of, uh, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and how God would come down in a flurry of miracles, save them. And then the next minute they're ready to just walk back to their slavery. I, I, we read that Thomas has been, this has kind of hit on me recently. I think we, we as the church tend to read those stories and think that we're, we're Moses, right? We're the, we're the, in the know. And as I've been studying it again recently, I thought, no man, I, I, and we we're the people. Where are the people? And we, we go awry over and over and over again. Uh, it's, it's significant. So, uh, yeah, Jennifer, I, I, I feel your pain there for sure. Uh, Matt Horn here, Tom, he says the overwhelming feeling of always needing to be on. I thought about this with you. I mean, you know, I, I have my times of being on, but you're Tom Ziegler. I mean, you're there at Ziegler HQ. You got events going on. You got coaching you're doing. You generally, no matter what happens to you, no matter how you feel in the morning, at some point during the day, you have to be on. So I'll, I'll let you respond to this. But Matt goes on to say, he says, the always, the always feeling needed, needed to be on. I work at a fast paced sales management role. I come home to a partner and two kids and uh, under eight whom I love dearly and therefore try to spend as much impactful and meaningful time with them as possible. Not just dinner on the couch or TV watching time. I really do get exhausted and anxious at everything you need to do as an adult. And as a result of this, I sometimes put aside the hard, hard growth conversation uh, that I should be having with my significant other about our relationship and family goals and our well being, et cetera. And then spending specific time mentoring my eight year old to grow up and be a strong and confident girl. These things can be put on the back burner due to the overwhelmingness that I feel. Um, but I do realize that they're the most important things I need, need to do as a father and partner. That's specific. Yeah, it is. Well, I think that's the battle we all go through at some point. And this is to me, this is one of the genius concepts uh, from the book, see you at the top and what dad built his philosophy on it. And, he called it the be, do, have philosophy. You got to be the right person, do the right things, and then you can have all that life has to offer. Our culture doesn't see it that way. Our culture, what's glorified is the do and the have. So constant bombardment, 24-7, social media, news, doesn't matter, books, magazines, radio, TV. It's what do you do that gives you identity and what do you have gives your identity. It's not who you are. But yet, in order to be on, meaning that feeling I've got to be on, that means that outside eyes have to see what we're doing and judge it worthwhile. Mm -hmm. 
outsized eyes have to see what we have and judge it worthwhile. I remember, I think it was Mark Twain. It, it was Mark Twain or one of the famous writers. Uh, they looked at his diary and then his son's diary. And the boy was probably seven or eight years old. And in the father's diary, it said, spent all day fishing with my son. What a waste. The boy's diary was best day ever. Dad and I fished all day. (laughs) And I think the message there is, is our partner, our spouse, our kids, our closest friends. They want us to be who we are with them. Just being there, present. And and dad's whole philosophy and, and what we teach at Ziegler is this concept of every single one of us has every ingredient for success. We have all the character qualities. Everything is there. But there's four things we got to do. We got to recognize them. <laughs> then we got to claim it. You know, how many times do we go, oh, yeah, I've got that. And then we just move on. Right. We don't mm-hmm. claim it as mm-hmm. ours. We don't own it. And then we, we, we recognize, we claim, we develop, and then we use. And so a mindset shift or something that we can do to gain peace, I think, is to really sit down with ourselves and say, what are the character qualities? What are the principles and values of being that are going to give me the most fulfillment? Mm. And, and you know what? It's you know, like 89th on the list will be responding to emails after nine o'clock at night. And yet there's this huge weight of, well, what are they going to think or what's going to happen if I don't? And so we've got to get that clarity of the why. And to me, it's the being part. It's becoming the right kind of person because we want the fruit of our life to grow naturally. I mean, you never see a, a tree straining to grow fruit, right? If it's an apple tree, it just happens, mm-hmm. right? Yet all day long, it's like we strain to produce the fruit that we think the world wants. Mm-hmm. When instead we should focus on the intake, the input of what, when we put that in and we reflect on it, what's going to automatically produce the fruit. Gosh, so. yeah, that's, that is a great analogy. I mean, you said the word being so often and <clears throat> our, our frequent listeners probably have heard me say this multiple times, but uh, my favorite uncle, Nate Miller, <clears throat> he's also my only uncle, but he's my favorite uncle. And he was, he's just an encourager, just an encourager, such a rare gem of a person. And he would often, as you were leaving, give you a hug, look in your face and just say, Kevin, thanks for being. And he'd just leave it there. And as a kid, it was funny. It was later in life. <clears throat> when I realized how much of a doer I am as, as opposed to a beer, uh, that, uh, I just really embraced that or I wanted to embrace that. So my wife got me a custom t-shirt that says, thanks for being, I wear it at home a lot. And it's such a reminder. We are, a, I think we're a doing society. And just as you said, man, my kids, my friends, my family, my wife, they want me just to be with them and just, just be sometimes goodness. Uh, well, Josh, uh, is it Veliquette? He says, it's hard to articulate, but I would say trying to prove myself worthy of love 
knowing that God, my family, and my friends all love and appreciate who I am as is, that no matter what I do, the love and support that comes from them will always be there as a foundation of support in my life. I feel like we can get exhausted trying to prove ourselves worthy of love when we've been given it unconditionally. And when I stop and meditate on that thought, which isn't as often as I'd like, I find comfort and peace. Josh, as everybody here, I think you just spoke for most of us to some degree. And, you know, Tom, in that, I, that issue right there, I think is a, is a crux maybe in, if we're going to call our industry personal development, where from a faith-based standpoint, from a love standpoint, from what Josh is talking about, we need to be able to say, I am okay. Now I am worthy of love right now. I am acceptable right now, even as we feel called, and I do as under God, to also expand my talents. My we go to the parable of the talents, my talents, my gifts, my abilities, uh, to expand those. And, and can I do more with those? I think yes. And as my good friend Randy, who you know well, would say, it's the bother. It's a, it's both. We we got to do both. And and how can we hold those? We're back to a balance again. Second time we've hit on a balance. What is that balance? And I had a, a pastor one time. It's always stuck with me. He say usually the the truth, the glory is is in between that balance. It's a, it's really the tension between those two seemingly different things. Uh, so him, trying to prove myself worthy of love. You could put love. Uh, uh, acceptance, approval, whatever in there. And I think there's very few people who don't deal with that to a degree, Tom. Yeah. Well, that's a big one too. Worthy. Yeah. You know, uh, I love the word grace and, you know, and the whole song, amazing grace. The, The real challenge with it is, if amazing grace was about, you know, complete these 12 steps, I think everybody would be happier. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's something we can't earn. You know, it's, it's like worthy. Are are we worthy because of what we do or, or are we just worthy? And that is, man, that's a, that's a difficult one. And gosh, for those of us who, if you've ever held a newborn in your hands, and you just feel that love, right? That that feeling for them. What are they, what are they doing besides messing up their diapers? You know, mm-hmm. yeah, we're fine to say, "Oh, you're worthy because you're mine." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because you and, are precious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Well, Colin Martin here. He says it's unrealistic expectations. We're back to that word of myself such as a nagging feeling that I'm not as successful as I should be at this point in my life. Tom, as you were talking there, you saw me fishing around in my bookshelf because I went to grab uh, the book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs by Rachel Cruz. Uh, she's Dave Ramsey's daughter. She's got a podcast that's been at the top of the business charts recently. It's a fairly new one. And she, in that book, love your life, not theirs. And it's really a message kind of on the keeping up with the Joneses type thing, which has increased. And that's what she talks about in the book. We are all more susceptible to that uh, and social media is a primary proponent of that. We all paste our shiny, happy uh, pieces of our life on social media and we all see it. And, uh, I, Tom, I am not free from that of, of looking at my life and I could say, gosh, I could die today. Now I'm not a no regrets guy, but 
not much that I would say, oh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that as far as relationally and, and, and even success in business, man, I am, I am really fulfilled. And yet it is, it, there's not a lot of time that goes by where I have to pluck off that little demon of going to, Oh my gosh, that guy did that and look how you know young he is or, or whatever. And I oh, just regrets of, of some of my past. I, again, I think it's hard to get away from because we're constantly have these images and people and stories put in front of us where it can seem like, geez, they did that. And I haven't yet. Uh, I don't have a magic pill for that one, Tom, other than, you know, coming to peace with who we are, where we are and why we are. One of the definitions that dad had for success was this success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. And that's where we get in trouble. We get in the comparison game and we compare our gifts and talents and our background and circumstances and, you know, what we've learned and what we've been through with other people. And there is no comparison. We're unique. You know, we're one in infinity as far as creation goes. And so our responsibility, it's like the the parable of the talents. You know, the master came back and he didn't say, hey, Kevin, what did you do with the talents? I left Tom. (laughs) You know, it's like, right. It's what did you do with what I gave you? And so when we get out of the comparison game and then get into the, you know, being the best person we can be Mm -hmm. uh, perspective, that's much more realistic. And then, I mean, once again, not to harp on, I mean, (laughs) this question's on Facebook, but golly, you know, we see for the most part, we see the 98% good stuff that people put on Facebook, right? You, you don't see bad hair days and, you know, the the project that missed deadline and all that stuff. All you see is the celebration and the smile and the birthday and all the good stuff going on. So I think it's, I think it's good to just focus in on, okay, where, what are my strengths? How do I maximize that? Yep. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, here's an interesting one, Tom. Uh, Andrea Kun, she says laundry. That was it. Laundry. Uh, and I'll tell you why I kept that one in there because, you know, as funny as that, that may be for that to be top of the mind for her, it, as I have grown and I hope matured, I have realized certain duties, tasks, chores, if you will, in my life that are not worth wrecking my peace. And so I'm giving gravity to her, you know, even if it was in jest, her statement of laundry, if that really is something that wrecks her peace, that's worth looking at with something that wrecks my peace is trying to do bookkeeping or, or tax work. Even when I couldn't afford it, I finally hired a CPA and a bookkeeper and had them do it. It was worth the peace to myself, my family to offload that same thing. I'll say for 99% of the car issues in my family, where I think conglomerate, we have, I don't know, eight or nine cars that I tend to be responsible to some degree to. Now, if it's a quickie thing, sometimes I'll get lucky. I am not a mechanic, but I've dealt with them for long enough. Sometimes I get lucky on a little thing, but before I pull a wrench out and start getting my hands dirty, man, I just, I have a mechanic. He takes care of me. I take it there. It's worth it. I am not a mechanical guy. Uh, if it's wood, I'm good, but, uh, not mechanical. Those are things that really, it, it was more than just an irritation. They, I have a hard time keeping my peace, keeping my positivity with those things because they are frustrating. So I quit under trying to understand why they do and trying to get past it and say, you know what? There's a lot of things that I do and I do well. 
I'm going to offload those things. And it's important. And so I'm going to give gravity to Andrea's uh, statement of laundry that folks, if there's something out there, I'm going to put it in the chore task duty that you have. That is really a downer. I'd ask you to question that. Is it really worth you doing it? Um, there's a lot of people to delegate to. You know, there's a spiritual principle there. Uh, a lot of times the things that rob our peace are the things that bring joy to other people. Because what robs our peace? The things that we're not naturally good at. Mm-hmm. What brings joy? Things that I do and it's just natural and it's easy. And so whether it's doing the yard or having somebody fix your car or a hundred things, going to the accountant, golly, we're actually by turning loose of that and saying, you know what, that's just not my thing. It gives us more peace, but it also brings them joy mm-hmm. because that's what they're good at. Yes. Uh, that, that right there, just look at, again, I'm going to, I just, I'm going to ask you folks take permission to give gravity to some of those things that really, really ruin your wah, as my wife would say. Um, Steve Patterson here. And, uh, he says the whirlwind from the book, the Oz principle. I totally get consumed by the, get consumed by the whirlwind often. And sometimes it's just not easy to jump out of it and get back on focus. Uh, at risk of shameless self-promotion, which if it's shameless, it's not a risk, right, Tom? So I'm going to just promote here. My first thought of that was the Ziegler goals planner, uh, or the, the, the Ziegler planner. Um, that, the testimonies I have heard to that thing. So God, and folks, and I'm going to ask you, Tom, just to speak on it, but whether it's that or something else, but I hear you, Steve, that is mine as well. The whirlwind. I have a big family. I have multiple businesses. And the, the thing that I am able to combat that with most is having some semblance, however you do it. There's not one way to do it. Some semblance of a plan for your day and starting it off. Uh, as Tom and I were talking about in some quiet and in some reframing and renewing your mind as the Bible says every day. But, you know, again, we'll talk about the Ziggler. You can talk about the Ziggler planner, but obviously people can do it different ways, but that thing, the testimony, Tom has been nearly second to none for people who really use it. Yeah. And let me talk about the principle. I I have this quote and it says that, uh, for business owners and, and people who are in the business world, a, a system is simply a habit for your business. And in the personal development life, a habit is just a system for my personal life. And, and so one of the ways we gain peace, we control the whirlwind or at least get on top of the whirlwind most of the time is we create systems. And one of the most powerful systems of all that I've ever seen is the Ziegler goal setting system. And we use our performance planner and it takes you through the steps. So anything in life that you want to achieve, you can achieve it by following the system. It doesn't matter whether you want to lose 10 pounds or start a business or go on a trip around the world or pay for a wedding. It doesn't matter what the goal is or the dream. If you follow the system, break it down, work on it every day, you will get there. And I love things about systems. They don't care whether you believe in it or not. They just care if you work it. And so the goal setting system. Now, here's something else that's good about the goal setting system is you can actually take out the word goal setting and you can replace it with the words problem solving. So the pro- the Ziegler problem solving system, exactly the same steps as the goal setting system. 
some people are goals oriented. Some people are problem solving oriented. It doesn't matter which one you are. What matters is, is you create a system that allows you to make sense out of the chaos, to bring the whirlwind down to a gentle breeze so that the rudder of your ship and that gentle breeze will take you exactly where you want to go. Where businesses get stuck is, and we work with business owners all the time with Howard Partridge, they grow to a certain point, they, they're capped off because they have no systems. Every answer is in their head and everybody they work with has to come to them for the answer. So being successful in business is getting those systems that allow people to continually operate the business without your direct input. Your personal life is the same way. The things that you want to accomplish, you've got to create the habits or the systems that you automatically put in play that get you where you want to go. That is such huge wisdom. And folks, I'm going to admit to you, it's one of the harder things for me. I like one of the reasons I am self-employed always have been is I like spontaneity. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Uh, But to some degree, I had a personal assistant uh, one time, finally, long story short, reined me down and said, Kevin, you just don't deliver like you need to do to serve your employees, to serve your audience. When you, you've got to be consistent. We've got to get you into some, at least routine. She knew I didn't like rules. I didn't like guidelines. Uh, I didn't like such things. Um, but, uh, she said, do you have routines? Do you ever miss your coffee, Kevin? Uh, no. Do you ever not brush your teeth? No. So those are routines. Can we just get you to do the podcast on the same day every week? Yada, yada. And so I'm not perfect here, folks, but I do, I've, I've created a semblance of having a plan, having a structure, as Tom said. Um, well, folks, I've got, uh, I've got one more quick one here, Tom. And um, there are folks, if you want to go to January 28, 2019, to my Facebook page, which is Agent K Miller. This was posted less than 21 hours ago. There's over 50 comments already and read through them. They're powerful. We can't get through nearly enough of them today. But Brandenburg Brandenburg here, Dan Brandenburg, he says ego. Ego wants more. It wants to be seen as more. It wants to have more. It wants to grow. It wants to be unique. It wants to be special. It wants to have power. wants to control its own fate and destiny. Ego gets bored with the monotony of the status quo. Satisfied is simply not sufficient for more than a few minutes. Ego requires another dopamine boost from something new, novel, and shiny. I just thought that was, that's a book right there, uh, Tom. And I thought, well, if I didn't have ego, what would I, I have no idea. I do have ego. I, I try to mo- try to modify it. I try to be aware of my own self in that sense, but I don't exist without ego. And so just putting that on the table and being aware of that and catering to that, could that help my overall peace and my behaviors, expectations, all these things we talked about? I just thought that was a big one. Yeah, I love it. I don't know what to add to that. I mean, that's that strong. It just reminded me of this quote. I think it had to do with humility. And they said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking less of yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So so it's not that's that good. we think that's good. right. It's it's that we're get we get focused on the right things, you know, the priorities. And ego is all about self. It's like you know, me, me, me. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the seagulls and finding Nemo, mine, mine, mine. Right? <laughs> and, and we want all these things. Um, and so, but, but humility or, or brokenness, which is what I love when I think of dad and his ultimate quality. Yes. It's, it's not that we think less of ourselves. It's, it's that our priority, our motives, the things that we want to accomplish 
change and we got to get on top of it. We, we, we can own our ego. We can let our ego control us or we can go in and we can control our ego. There you go. That's worthy of anchoring this show with Tom. Thank you folks. Thank you for your incredible, as always comments. Please keep them coming. It's a gift to this show. It's what makes it so rich. Tom brother, have a beautiful day folks. Thanks for tuning in. So are you aware of the primary enemy of your peace? It's a great topic to take 10 minutes and think about and write down and then consider what can you do to manage those would be enemies. Coming up next in show 653 is our habits show where we walk through the seven spokes on the Ziegler wheel of life. This time with Oscar Trimboli, our guest in show 651, where our topic was deep listening In discussing his personal habits. Oscar talks about photography, but what's interesting is he perceives it as another form of listening It's really intriguing. I think you'll get a lot out of the habits of this deep thinker till then. Thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.